we tried to make it as approachable as possible, and even sure. the language itself. Um, it's very modular. It's, yeah, that's what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted the language, the structure of the language, to be really modular, so that we could make changes quickly and mm-hmm. change things out if whatever feedback we got from Marvel required changes. But also, once we got it to Marvel. We wanted them to be able to create new grammar if they needed to, create new words, and be able to to replace things really quickly and easily. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. Do you speak Torfin? We take a trip to the movies as we investigate how two Cornell PhD students created an alien language for the blockbuster film Captain Marvel. Welcome to another episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Sam Lupowitz, the Media Development Manager for the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Today, I'm speaking with Joseph Ryan and Ryan Hearn, two PhD candidates in linguistics at Cornell. Joseph and Ryan created the conlang, or constructed language, of Torfin for the film Captain Marvel, starring Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson. Joseph, Ryan, welcome to Speaking of Language. Thank you for having having us. us. Yeah, Yeah. oh, it's our pleasure, uh, and I'm excited to talk about making up languages for comic book movies, because that's Mm -hmm. really cool and exciting. (laughs) Um, But before we start, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your backgrounds with learning and creating language? Okay, sure. Yeah, Joseph, you want to go ahead? Uh, Yeah, so let's see. Actually, I'm a linguistics grad student here, um, and actually creating languages is actually how I got interested in linguistics. Um, So I started off, like, in middle school, like, reading Lord of the Rings and, like, learning Elvish, like I'm sure lots of language nerds do and, like, nerds in general do. Um, And once I got interested in that, I started taking, like, Latin and Greek, um, and um, learned how to, like, make languages, like, all the different aspects that go into language, like the morphology, the phonology and phonetics and syntax, all of that. Um, and I made a few of my own languages, like, in middle school and high school, um, which I haven't even, like, looked at in, like, eight years. <laughs> um, and actually, when I got into undergrad, I was actually a physics major to okay. begin with. Um and I had no idea that linguistics was a field that I could go into. Sure. Um, and then I took one, like, historical linguistics class um, my freshman year and quickly, like, switched over to linguistics. And so I'm mainly interested in historical linguistics, um, tracking how languages change over time. Um, and I'm specifically trying to merge that with computational methods that are pretty widespread in, like, synchronic um, subfields of linguistics. So, like... Usually you're working with, like, millions of words when you're looking at, like, a modern language that's well-documented. But sure. you have, like, specific challenges that you have to overcome for historical languages because you are very limited in your data set and you can't go down the road to gather more data from a speaker. Right. Um, so I'm looking at trying to blend the methods that we use for modern languages with all this historical data to come up with, like, new ways of viewing uh, historical languages and language change in general. Very cool. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, and um, <clears throat> so uh, I was also big into Tolkien when I was in uh, undergrad, but I was also a big anime nerd, and mm-hmm. so uh, I wanted to, you know, be able to watch it without subtitles, and so I started right. learning Japanese. Uh, after I graduated, I went to Japan for a year and taught English um, in Japan, and so my Japanese got better. Um, and so, yeah, I, I loved learning Japanese, and I loved learning about it, and I still watch a little bit of anime, but now, you know, nowadays it's more about the love of the language, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But uh, so I was uh, an accountant after that. And so okay. I, was, I was working as an accountant for five years and I was teaching myself Latin in my downtime because I just like learning you That's know, languages. That's people yeah. do. They need to cut loose after <laughs> exactly. a day, a long yeah. day of accounting. So, um, and, the, and I, I was like, well, I took Spanish in high school and Latin is really different from Spanish, but Spanish supposedly came from Latin. Mm-hmm. So why is Spanish so different? And so I looked and I found out, oh, well, there are people who actually study this as a profession. And I was like, oh, well, Darn, I have to quit my career and go back to school now because I know what I want to do with my life. And sure. So, yeah. Um, so I'm also a historical linguist uh, here in the linguistics pro- uh, program at Cornell. Um, I work on mostly historical syntax. So I look at word order, um, how word order changes over long periods of time in a language. And so what I've tried to do, kind of um, the angle I've tried to bring to my you know historical work is – taking the developments of like modern synchronic theoretical syntax, um, uh, what people are doing with like living languages working today, um, and try to apply those theoretical advances to um, the diachrony of language. So that, that kind of gives us a framework that I can work within to um, kind of more precisely explain what exactly is happening when syntactic structures change over time. Very cool. All right. So we've got I think a nice a nice springboard from which to get right into the meat of today's conversation, um, and also that you both managed to reference Tolkien before me. So, but I'm sure we'll be able to circle back to that. Um, so, before we dive too deep into your process, can you give our listeners a summary of how you got involved in the Captain Marvel film and the work that you did? Uh, yeah, so um, Marvel contacted uh, my dissertation uh, chair, uh, Michael Weiss, and um, with, you know, uh, they wanted him to do uh, a few conlangs potentially for the Captain Marvel movie. Okay. And he, um, due to work and other responsibilities, he, was, he wasn't able to take on the project. Mm-hmm. And um, he directed them toward us because we both had mm-hmm. interest with conlangs and things like that. And so, yeah, Marvel emailed us the next day. And yeah, all, what we did was. Um, we did some language designing for Marvel for the movie Captain Marvel, and one of the one of the language projects that we proposed to them was actually used in the movie. So we actually mm-hmm. we wrote we designed from scratch and built a language uh, from the ground up that was used in the most re- in the recent Captain Marvel blockbuster movie. Very cool, um, and it is. I I watched the film last night, uh, and the language Torfan is Torfan, pronouncing yeah. uh, mm-hmm. is spoken by an alien race that's sort of caught in the crossfire between two other warring races. So it's sort of a complicated setup, but you didn't have a very long turnaround time for this, no, right? No, we pretty much we got the email and we set up like the deal with Marvel and. We pretty much within four days we had to get something back to them, yeah. so it was a very quick turnaround. Yeah, and which I mean, which makes sense because you know they're they're on set, they're figuring out how exactly they want things to happen in their sure. scenes, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I I feel it relatively frequently. It's like oh well, we need this thing. Let's find someone who you know has a lot of experience with this. Yep. Who can so yeah, I mean I I feel like that's probably relatively common. And also you know mm-hmm. with the experience that we have, sure, you know that was it wasn't um, that that hard. Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a fun <laughs> challenge. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that also kind of helped constrain our methods, mm-hmm. which I think we'll probably talk about more later. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, but yeah, it worked out all the way around. I think. Cool. So yeah. So so you're there. You thanks to this recommendation, you get an email from from Marvel, and you need to come up with a language for this species to speak in four days. Let's start from the ground up. How do you get started? Um, and and how did you collaborate and split up sort of the the work? 
when there mm-hmm. was so much to do in a short span of time. Yeah, so that collaboration was actually an, another challenge that we had to overcome because we were in different states at the time. Yes. Okay. Um, so to do that, we just set up like a Google Doc and we're like working on it when we could over the four days because like I was on vacation at the time, uh-huh. actually. <laughs> yeah, you would uh, come back and there would be a whole new section and you're like, oh, well, that's cool. I wonder what <laughs> right. Joseph has been working on. So yeah, that was always fun. And then to actually start working on language, like we got what information we could from Marvel about like the species that was speaking this language, like their culture, okay, um, all that, because you can't really uh, separate language from the culture that the people are Absolutely. speaking. Absolutely. Um, and so based on like the culture, uh, the Torfins, I think, were like a very like technologically advanced and scientific uh, species, and they were just going through hard times because they're caught in this war between the scroll and the uh, Kree. Right. Um, so we tried to integrate that into the language itself and really start out with like the type of grammar that you want to have um which um uh, which is what ryan worked on most yeah that's kind language. of so yeah we um once we you know heard about what kind of um what kind of culture they had so me being um more of a syntactician so i i immediately started thinking about well what kind of structure do i see for uh, for this language and Joseph does a lot of stuff with phonology, and he had some really interesting ideas that he wanted, you know, interesting directions he wanted to take the sound system in. Okay. So um, I probably contributed most of the syntax and the morphology. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But with Joseph providing some really interesting input there as well. And I think Joseph did uh, most of the work with the sound system, and he also wrote most of the vocabulary. Okay. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And was there, as far as developing vocabulary, like, was what was your focus? I, I'm thrilled to to hear that they gave you some cultural background and, mm-hmm. and that wanted that to inform the language because that was, I got excited when you're coming in. I wanted to ask a bunch of <laughs> questions about, you know, the sociopolitical context of this. And, and also like, but it's a Marvel movie. Like, I don't know if they really like yeah. got to deal with that. So I'm interested and excited that that was the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so then what was your, your focus on developing that b- vocabulary? Like, did you have a, a, a point that you sort of centered around or was it more uh, nuts and bolts than that? Um, so to start out with, like in the material that Marvel gave us, they gave us like concept art and things like that, some like scripts and like pre-visualizations of like some of the scenes that were going to be included. And then they gave us some like comic book references that mm-hmm. had like a couple of words sprinkled out and like the planet uh, Torfa had been mentioned in, like, a couple of comics. Mm-hmm. And so that was really, like, the first word that we started out with. Is, gotcha. Like, um, so if I remember right, it was, like, a Torva was, like, the word that the Torfins would, like, call themselves. Sure. And uh, I can't remember what the root means, like, home yeah, or something, something like that. Like yeah. that. Um, and so it has, like, two. And we didn't want to just, like, copy the word Torfa. So right. So we made it, like, a little different, like, the first consonant, the T, is actually an adjective uh, consonant. So uh, that's where, like, when you make an adjective consonant, you're, like, lowering your, um, what's it, your pharynx? Or your... Larynx? Glottis, larynx, yeah. yeah. That one. <laughs> uh, your vocal folds, you're lowering those down to make, like, a puff of air come out of your mouth rather than, like, producing that with, um, with like, your tongue or something like that like you do in english aspirated consonants um so i started out with like that word and then from there um we just kind of like were let loose like what sounded cool what sounded like something uh like an alien would say sure um, due to the like the the time constraints of the project most um if not all of the vocabulary that joseph came up with was um 
designed around the scene in question. Yeah. And sure. so, so we knew that, so this is going to be, you know, there are these two groups of people. Um, they don't really understand each other, but this is like, this could be a very hostile situation really quickly. And so uh, a lot of the words um, that, a lot of the first words we came up with is like, go away, mm-hmm. like planet, like war, war yeah. uh-huh. the, those kinds of words. Um, so yeah, that was, so that also, that helped keep us focused because we knew, yeah. we knew the kind of scene mm-hmm. we were going to be designing the language for. And uh, so, so we yeah. didn't we didn't waste a whole lot of time that we didn't have on you know building out too big of a dictionary. So we sure. were able to we were able to keep the project focused on exactly what we needed to do to meet the client's uh, needs. Yeah, very and that's cool. very different from like if you're just creating a conlang. Like Absolutely. normally, like you'd start out with like very basic vocabulary items like right, uh, like water, sky, earth, like trees, forest, right. like like mother, father. Things like that. Oh, These are things that friend. we didn't actually like come up with. Yeah, there, yeah. For. There's no in in the language we made so far. There's n- not yet a word for mother or father. Uh huh. So. <laughs> right, right. Something that would would come up otherwise. So you were you weren't physically in the same place for any no. of that. I was in New York, and he was, was in Georgia. Georgia, yeah. Cool. What do you turn into, Marvel? Was it right. a was it a uh, someone? From corporate, someone from the uh, a producer that sort of it was. I think it was one of the producers. producers. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. I wondered who would who on a film would handle <laughs> farming out that sort. Yeah, of Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense over. for the producer because yeah. yeah. So. Um, so what we what we turned what into, them, into them? If that's yeah. Um, so we we basically gave them a, a packet that um, it was uh, it had different sections. It had a section dedicated to the phonology of the language. Here's what the language sounds like. There was a section dedicated to the morphology of the language. Here's how you build words in this language. And here are the pieces that you put together to build those words. And then we had the syntax section, which was next. And, you know, this is how you line those words up to make a grammatical sentence um, with, you know, things like, well, here's how you make questions. Here's how you do, cool. you know, um, this language doesn't have WH movement. So like okay. in English, we have, you know, instead of you ate what, we say, well, what did you eat? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. uh, Torfin doesn't have WH movement. And so um, those words just kind of stay in place. And then after that um, was the the dictionary, mm-hmm. um, which was just a couple of pages. Uh, so, yeah, all in all, it was like a, I think like a six page packet or something yeah. like that. And it was like very like non-technical terms. Yeah, yeah, we tried well, to. I feel yeah. like you you'd have to, right? Yeah. Because that's not <laughs> you're not doing it for linguistics exactly. teachers or professionals or it's actors. Yeah, yeah. yeah and exactly. uh, so yeah, so and anytime we did have to use any kind of jargony thing, we would try to explain it, and then you know we also would give them a word that they could look up if they needed to figure out what exactly we were talking about. Right. We tried to make it as approachable as possible, and even sure. the language itself. Um, it's very modular. It's, yeah, that's what I yeah. wanted. I wanted the language, the structure of the language, to be really modular, so that we could make changes quickly and mm-hmm. change things out if whatever feedback we got from Marvel required changes. But also, once we got it to Marvel, we wanted them to be able to create new grammar if they needed to, create new words, and be able to to replace things really quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. So the morphology of the language is very clean. You can mm-hmm. always tell mm-hmm. when two morphemes come together, and that way if they don't like the way this word sounds, you just take that piece out and you throw it away, and you either pick a new piece or just don't worry about it. And so they could do whatever they wanted to with the language once they got it. Yeah, and it's a, it's an agglutinative language, um, and it's all very, very regular. Uh, 
that was one thing that the time constraint like imposed on us is that we couldn't come up with all like the idiosyncrasies that you find in like a normal language like right. how like for like to be in English you have like is am are yeah like yeah. all those different forms that look completely unrelated like we didn't have time to come up with anything like that right sure. which as you know historical linguists we we were we spent a little bit of time kind of brainstorming interesting like leftovers of historical language change that we could leave behind and then ultimately uh-huh. we had to be like no we have to act we have to get to work <laughs> because yeah, yeah. you know like, yeah like like these these like weird verb forms in english mm-hmm. and things like that um these are all remnants of historical change and at one time they all made perfect sense but if you look at them now they seem really weird and so uh-huh. we wanted so we thought about well what kinds of interesting things would the the culture of this people you know what kind of an impact would that have left on the language mm-hmm. that you know, might not be as easily visible looking at it from like a modern perspective as opposed to, you know, seeing the entire history. But we ended up scrapping a lot of those ideas yeah. because we we were like, <laughs> okay, we have to we gotta get to work. We gotta get this language done and get it sent out. So it is it's a very regular, it's much more regular than practically any natural human language. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, was that I know in in some of the interviews you've done about this in the last few months, I know you've mentioned like taking some influence from uh, Japanese and Greek, um, Turkish, did, and yeah. Did, was all of that sort of practical influence, or was did any of that have anything to do with the the context of the the culture as far as the scene and um, you know what you learned right. about them from Marvel? As far as I was concerned, I didn't want. I didn't want to make any of like straight up cultural connections sure. because mm-hmm. um, I guess it's, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't feel like it was my place to try to, you know, make cultural connections like that with, yeah. you know, this fictional people with people who actually exist and have their own culture. Mm-hmm. So as far as I was concerned, it was only structural in nature and wasn't Great. cultural. I don't know. I'm, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Same. So like the sound system wasn't like based on any one language. Uh, it's kind of like just a mix of sounds that were, I don't know, that gelled pretty well. And, like, with con language, you look for, like, more, like, an aesthetic, like... Sure, um, yeah. Rather than, like, a natural language where you have all these sounds that are there because of, like, historical reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, you just get to choose what things might sound good given, like, the context or the scene that um, it's going to be spoken in. Yeah, and, yeah, and, I mean, the more, like, the structure that I tried to design was kind of the same way like i'm i'm you know familiar with japanese and other agglutinative languages and um and i know how you know modular and easy to you know easy to use and regular that morphology often is and so that was a really good fit for this project cool yeah cool so as far as you know in your history of of creating languages for fun um Maybe a shorter turnaround and not as in depth as either of you have had to go before, but a little higher profile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but also you know, again, you know, not having not having so much time to play around with it helped us, you know, stay ex- focused on exactly you know the things we needed to get done to accomplish yeah. the project. Because like I don't know, like in high school when I would create a language, like I'd always like constantly iterate on it. So like yeah, yeah, yeah. like from month to month it'd be something completely different so if we were given that time it probably would have like changed a lot sure. absolutely yeah was that something you would do with application or context sort of imagined or would it be four stories or or anything that you know, sort of collaborative like that or it was just that was the thing that you enjoyed putting together yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, a little bit of both like uh so i i write too um mm-hmm. nothing published yet but um so yeah i'd do it for that and then just for like 
fun, like what would be like an interesting combination of like morphology and phonology and all of that would be something new or something that isn't in like an actual language spoken on Earth. Cool. And the um, the other thing I wanted to ask about the Torfin language, you did the the spoken language, but there was no written element that you That's did. That's correct. Okay, mm-hmm. all the the I guess it's Cree yeah. glyphs that yeah. are in the film are mm-hmm. unrelated. Correct. So, and okay. those those were already like created. Before. Yeah, I thought they had been they had mm-hmm. comic book precedent, mm-hmm. but I wanted to double check before because that would be another thing. That and I, I think, but I mean, Torfin also like there are very there. There is an orthography that shows up like three times in the comics, I think, mm-hmm. right? You'll see yeah. like a single word written in the Torfin alphabet. So okay. there is there is an, an existing Torfin alphabet. And we asked if they wanted us to try to do anything with that. And they were like, no, you won't need yeah. to do anything with that for the scene. So, gotcha. yeah. so we did. We did. We were prepared to do work, to do orthographical work if they wanted us to. Mm-hmm. But that would have hugely expanded the scope of the project. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. All right. So then you you turn it in four days later. You turn in your packet to Marvel. Mm-hmm. What's the next that you hear about it? You go you go see the movie? Um, well, actually, yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we turn in the packet and we're like, hey, you know, if there's any changes you want us to make. Oh, I, I forgot to say the, what we turned in. We turned in um, the packet, but we also turned in, we recorded, we recorded um, yeah. text oh, okay. samples. Yeah, so... Uh, so we, you know, we just so uh, they should know like how to pronounce how to pronounce it. it. So course. like what like what what's an adjective? Well, this mm-hmm. is what an adjective sounds like. And um, so yeah, we uh, some of the sample dialogue that they provided, we just went ahead and provided full translations for all of that sample dialogue. Oh, that's right. That was another section. Is we had our sample dialogue section mm-hmm. and okay. translated so we, yeah, dialogue made section out as well. Some, like, and then we we recorded answers. ourselves. Uh, practicing that dialogue and sent those audio files in as well. So not only would they have the entire grammar of the language, but they would have someone actually, you know, making attempts at speaking it as it's as it's supposed to be speaking. Uh, speaking as it's supposed to be speaking. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I'm a linguist. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so that was fun too. Getting to play around with the mics and do for you sure know, fun mm-hmm. audio work as well. Yeah. But yeah, once we sent that off, uh, I think that was in June. Yeah. Um, yeah. June 2018, and we didn't hear back from them. Until, we d- we didn't hear. Like, there was no. There was no like no great job. Thanks or yeah. anything like that. Like we were just <laughs> right. Yeah. We just we get, went to see the movie and <laughs> oh, oh that's our language. Yeah. <laughs> oh we're in the credits. <laughs> that's awesome. And in a way, in a way, sort of. I mean, it would have been nice to know that it was going to sure. happen, but yeah. just mm-hmm. to go see the movie and find oh, they used the they actually used it. Yeah, it was and yeah. it, it made it did it made opening night a lot more exciting uh, yeah. for me. You know that was that was really cool. Um, and I mean, they're busy. Like they've got sure. you know, they're <laughs> running Project all kinds project. of things simultaneously. Like so they make yeah. a couple of movies every year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, so I definitely understand not you know. Taking the time to write out a long, you know, email oh, sure. to the two random linguists who <laughs> did work that showed up in the movie for five seconds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, uh, but yeah, it was it was a great surprise. Um, and it it made us feel good about the work that we had done mm-hmm. because um, we knew that the client liked it. It met their needs, and they were able to make use of it like they like they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, that was it was really rewarding getting to see that, uh, especially on that level. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, um, thank you for for sharing so much about your process. Um, so I'm wondering what's in store for you both next. I mean, assuming that you don't get put on staff for <laughs> making up languages for movies or anything like that. Um, what's you as far as the work you're doing here at Cornell and and beyond? What are your plans? Um, where do you think you're headed next? What are you going to be working on? 
Um, yeah, okay. So uh, I just turned in a dissertation draft uh, a few weeks ago. Um, so uh, I just finished up my fifth year here. Um, so yeah, I plan on graduating hopefully in the next few months, um, trying to find you know an academic job uh, teaching historical linguistics and doing research. Um, but I mean, on the side, like, hey, if you know, I'm, I'm always available. If anyone has yeah. any, you know, I, I love working with language and getting my hands sure. dirty, really, you know, diving into the structure of language. So if, you know, if anyone has, you know, Marvel, any other studios out there, if you need, you know, if you need good linguistic work done, I am absolutely available. Fantastic. And uh, so I'm getting ready to start my third year okay. of the PhD program here. Um, and I'm just continuing to do like my own research. Like one project I'm working on is acoustic reconstruction. So like Uh-oh. taking like recordings of modern languages and trying to extrapolate back um, to like historical forms, like Very an cool. audible historical form. Um, and yeah, um, I'm actually teaching an FWS class on conlangs uh, okay. in the fall. Um, so. I would like to like continue doing conlangs. I still do it like in my spare time uh, as a hobby, um, but probably still like keep to like doing research as my main focus. Um, sure. But again, like Ryan said, if anybody came asking for a language for a project, I'd be more than happy to do it. Oh yeah, this is a great experience, and mm-hmm. we we would love to do it again. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you mentioned that you write a little bit. Is there anything uh, anything you'd like to talk about? We don't have to, but give you the, um, give you the option. Um, let's see. I have I haven't been able to write like non academically in sure. like the last year or so because uh, yeah, always always have to be writing, but not always writing you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I don't have anything like out there. I actually haven't like only like family has like read uh-huh. some of my stuff. So. Uh, yeah, don't really have like a website or anything like that. You can okay. read it on or yet. Yeah. Always, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you yeah. go. Always, <laughs> always give you give you the option to, yeah. to promote. That's it's, uh, you know it's a nice thing to be able to do. Um, any thoughts for for young language learners coming on up? Any any advice you might have? Anything that you are excited about that you feel lucky you got to discover that came across your path that you might not have stumbled mm. upon? Um, as far as advice goes, I mean, what you know, what enabled us to do uh, what we were able to do in the time we were able to do it is because of what we know about language. Mm-hmm. And so for anyone who has a love for language, especially if anyone has a love for conlang, um, you know, uh, read up, read up on linguistics, figure out how language works, figure out um, the diversity of language that we see in the planet. And, you know, and all of those things are tools in your toolbox so that when you're starting to put together your own language, you have the under you have the understanding of how language works that you're going to need in order to um, to accomplish the language creation goals that you want to to achieve. Um, so yeah, yeah, the more you know about language and the more you know about languages, um, the better your conlangs are going to be. Very cool. <laughs> and um, yeah, you never know like what opportunities you might come across um, in linguistics uh, or language and language uh, studies in general, um, and this was especially like a, a cool opportunity to be like a very small part uh, in the grand scheme of things, but uh, still a part of a movie uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and especially the movie that's like the first female-led um, yeah. movie in the Cinematic Universe. And yeah, just being able to be a part of that is, was a really fun and like meaningful experience. 
for me. Absolutely. And also, both of us having been, you know, comics fans, like, our entire yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Like, this, just, you know, getting to do something this nerdy yeah. with, you know, <laughs> a property, you know, that, we, that we've that we loved for decades was yeah. just, it was a, a wonderful experience from start to finish. It was great. Fantastic. Well, uh, Ryan, Joseph, thank you so much for speaking of language with sure. us today. Thank Thanks you. for having us here. It was uh, fun. Our pleasure. Next week, Edvon Brito will join us in the studio. Dr. Brito is assistant professor and director of the Portuguese program at the University of Arkansas, Fayetteville. He will be on campus as part of our monthly LRC speaker series. All our speaker series events are live streamed, so please check out our website at lrc.cornell.edu for upcoming events. You can join us for Edvon's talk titled Using Social and Cultural Issues to Promote Language Learning and Cultural Awareness, Language Variation, Race, and Migration on Thursday, September 12th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, either in person here in Stimson Hall or online via Zoom. And, of course, you can listen to next week's episode online. Until then, au revoir. The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners, and do stay tuned for our next episode.